You are listening to the Grower Radio Network. I'm Joe Jansrak, and joining me today is Todd Downing, Director of Key Corporate Services in Fishers, Indiana. Todd is a talent acquisition and management consultant for many companies in the horticulture industry and has more than 29 years in this market. He was recently featured in the December issue of Greenhouse Management in a Q&A on the grain of the horticulture industry. Thank you for joining us today, Todd. Joe, thank you as well, and I appreciate the exposure you are giving this topic. I'd like to begin today by asking you to define for us the grain of the horticulture industry, what that means, and why it's important. Unfortunately, if you just take a walk around an industry trade show, uh, you'll gain a pretty subjective view of the grain that is occurring and see the challenge unfolding for all companies, whether they're growers, manufacturers, distributors, at all position levels. Uh, there are some pretty hard facts that the USDA has uh, culled together for agriculture, which our industry horticulture is part of. And it indicates that the average age is about 57 years old. Mm. Depending on what source is being reported, 40 to 60% of the professionals are 55 years or older. If you compare that to the median age of the labor force of 41 years old, our industry sector is even closer to labor shortages attributed to the baby boomer demographics. About every 10 seconds, a baby boomer turns 65, which is a rate of 10,000 a day, and will continue this rate for about the next 20 years. Wow. The forecasted gap being created with such high retirements and lower number of professionals entering our horticultural industry, as well as ag, is progressing faster than many other sectors. The actual rate is a bit superficially alleviated by the baby boomers in hort working well past 65 these days for many reasons. Hmm. Thus, that is a short-term fix, and at this time the Gen X and Gen Y generations just do not appear to be in a position to close this gap quickly in horticulture. Thus the concern comes not from an experienced workforce, but from how we're attracting younger professionals into the industry. You raise a lot of good points. Um, Let me ask you, is it really that bad to have an older, more experienced workforce? Not at all. The experienced workforce is currently a plus in many aspects. The, The difficulty is we're just too lopsided right now, which creates this potentially dangerous gap. Our challenge is to develop organizational charts, which lead to a balanced succession planning. This does not mean simply retirements. It means career progression all the way along through an organization. Thus, the experienced workforce is critical for its knowledge and ability to mentor earlier career professionals or those maybe transferring into our industry. In fact, I heard a a great saying yesterday from someone I was talking to that the experienced professionals know where the skeletons are at. Mm -hmm. relative to not making a poor decision in business. And what's interesting to that, too, is a side note, in talking to you a few months back, you even mentioned the reverse mentoring aspect of this. Yes. This also has a nice improvement in a balanced organization to have the reverse mentoring. Would you say, um, Todd, that young people today are, are less likely 
to pursue career paths in horticulture? If that's the case, why is that, and what can be what can the industry do to make horticulture a more attractive career path? There are traits and behaviors that the Gen X and Y generations have that are drawing them to other industries. Um, when you dig into that, these range from everything from rural versus urban living preferences, diversity, technological sophistication. A big one is work-life balance, workplace expectations, and even how they view money. The concern then grows past simply replacing the numbers of those retiring and focuses on attracting enough Gen X and Gen Y professionals who find the horticultural industry meeting the dominating needs of their generation. Uh, the numbers of students pursuing horticultural or agricultural related degrees has been decreasing annually as indicated by the drops in enrollment in these programs. The allure of what drew many of us into this industry just does not have nearly the pull on the Gen X and Gen Y professionals of today. And what drew many, do you say? I would, I would capsulize that as a balance of our agricultural roots that we were still a bit closer to um, when many of us entered in, as well as a better compensation relative to other industries as as uh, you came out of college and you were looking at these different professional sectors to move into. Since then, we've had so much advancement in other industries that we just haven't been able to offer the, the new college graduate, and they're much more attracted to them. You mentioned, um, we talked, you talked a little bit about reverse mentoring uh, just a little while ago. If a company becomes known for creating a, a culture that lends itself to reverse mentoring, is that an attractive element uh, for people considering horticulture as a career path? And how do you promote such a culture during the hiring process? That's a great question. Um, yes, you will increase your attraction to a college graduate or, or even someone who may be making a career change at an earlier stage by having this reverse mentoring. Many companies would benefit from communicating the need to candidates that they have this ability to come into the organization and teach, for example, technological skill sets that they have to their managers or to their upline people. Um, I think we, we're all very cognizant of the fact that the younger generation can run circles around many of us when it comes to technology and its use in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of uh, where that reverse mentoring can help improve in an organization. What are some questions that our growers may want to ask themselves um, in order to determine whether the, the grain of their own business has become, a, has become a factor that needs to be addressed? Is it simply a matter of looking at the you know age demographics of their of their staff or does it go well beyond that a simple question to ask is if person a would leave me tomorrow what would i do in trying to replace their position or what impact would that have on my business mm -hmm. do i have someone in line 
to take that person's place already, or is it going to put me in a critical position? And I think the second part of what your question was to address that then, correct? Yes. I think from a human capital perspective, addressing this, the key word is change. A critical step for any company would be developing a formal and ongoing succession plan strategy for the entire organizational chart that is well-defined and reviewed annually. Uh, another change is in the hiring methods. The years of hiring a professional for a role who knows your company's exact widget, your company's exact customer, your exact industry are fading quickly and, and in some cases already gone. And this is partly a result of the gap being created. Fewer professionals available with specific skill sets relative to your company's product or customer to fill the number of jobs puts pressure on human capital management and really encourages all to adopt and evolve a 360-degree approach to how we're hiring. So those are all um, good action items, so to speak, for our listeners who may want to slow, stop, and, and reverse the grain at their facilities. Are there, are there any, any others that you would uh, care to provide our listeners with? I'd, I'd like to focus on solutions, hmm. as I think most of us really have grasped that this is a challenge we're all facing, and it is a common challenge. And a couple of other very successful strategies has been evolving your hiring process into a behavior-based approach. We understand better than ever today that a person's behaviors are the best predictor of future success. Again, it's not whether they know your specific widget or customer. And what we do is then take the core behaviors, ranking them in order of importance, providing a benchmark to be assessed for through a behavior-based interview process. As a side benefit then, this even provides companies standardized interview documentation, which is very important to have. You find in this process the job descriptions as well evolve to include specific key performance indicators or KPIs that are often referred to The professionals will be expected to metrically accomplish in their roles, not simply a job description that communicates what they will do. During this interview process then, candidates are then assessed for how they have successfully accomplished similar KPIs during their careers. Thus, we can take from that do they have the behaviors we've benchmarked as successful for our company and for that position? So, you know, one of the greatest takeaways from, from this conversation, Todd, is the, the uh, critical nature of the, of the hiring process. Um, you know, if, if the, the effort is made up front, it's going to go a long way toward contributing to, to a, a grower's uh, staffing success. Correct, is, yes. So, so this is a, a very, very interesting interesting topic and uh, I just want to I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to share your insights and I'd want to let our listeners know that um, they can read more about this in the December article by visiting greenhousemag.com and if our listeners would like to contact you Todd would that be okay I, I would welcome it okay um, so for, again it's a industry challenge that is common to us all Thank you. For our listeners who would like to contact Todd with any questions, uh, he can be reached at T Downing, T 
D O W N I N G at K C S L L C dot net. You've been listening to the Grower Radio Network. I'm Joe Jansrak, wishing you a great day. Happy growing.